Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight, hey, it's grading time. NFL Draft, and Hank and I will give out our grades. You want to know who's on probation? Stay tuned. And yeah, LeVar Ball strikes again. And Nike says no. Adidas says no. Under Armour says no. Where do they go next? Hank and I will talk about that tonight. NBA basketball, Harbaugh goes to Rome. Hey, you know what this is. RSG, one mic is in the building. This thing right here is for my people's in the Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one mic. There is a pause throughout the stadium as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. They're looking around. The jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. <laughs> Devon dropped Yes, 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 today. Love Talk Radio. this one mic. Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And if you can do that, then people talk a lot about their training staff. Love, love, love. Yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. All right, welcome to RSG One Mic. This is your guy, D. Wilson. And, uh, you know, my other guy in the pick and roll is my man, Hank. How you doing, Hank? How's it going tonight? You know what? I am I am elated, man. It is, it is the end of April. That means the weather is going to start getting warm. And it's already warming up on the sports scene everywhere. And you know what? We got so much stuff, y'all. We can't get to it all. We already know we can't get to it all. But what we're going to talk about, we're going to have a lot of fun doing that tonight. Yep, it's going to be a great night, and uh, we got a lot to cover. And, and uh, you know, as always, we're going to have uh, the uh, uh, world-renowned, the, 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 the segment that is uh, taking on a life of its own inside the park with Hank. You know, that's where we get our dose of what's happening in the world of baseball uh, with a little bit of RSG twist to it. Um, we have the NFL draft, obviously, and we're going to try to weigh in a little bit um, and provide a, a few Grades, you know, I, you know, I, uh, both of us work in, uh, in our day jobs at higher end institutions. Um, you know, Hank on the on the on the on the on the hospital side, and I'm, I'm on the campus side, but major research universities. And at this time of year, it's finals time, it's commencement. You know, everybody's being evaluated, and so in the 
the university of the NFL, we're going to evaluate uh, what's been happening with the draft, and uh, there's been a lot of chatter uh, about the draft. We'll get to uh, get to that. Um, you know, we're going to talk a, a, a little bit about if we can uh, 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 catch some of this. Uh, you know, what's happening uh, uh, a little bit uh, here in the NBA playoffs. But we'll touch on that um, uh, uh, as we as we get there, um, and, and, and what's been happening there. There's been a lot of developments happening uh, in in that space, but there is no better place to start than, you know, our favorite topic, a topic I think everybody loves in sports, LeVar Ball. Recently, (laughs) (laughs) you know, he's been talking about the Baller brand. He's a billion-dollar band, BBB, you know, sell a lot of wolf tickets. And, uh, you know, he got the Matumbo finger. He got the Matumbo finger from Adidas, Nike, and Under Armour, three major uh, 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 shoe dealers who, you know, who were not interested in co-partnering uh, uh, in the brand. Game changer, I got to give a shout out, was on Facebook last night, you know, because he's been going in probably as much as Hank uh, on this. And, you know, Game Changer's a coach too. So, you know, the kind of parental uh, uh, over-involvement and things like that, you know, I know he's a little sensitive to it. Uh, but, you know, here at IRG, we've been always talking about, you know, the power of the athlete and, People leveraging and, and uh, in a space where a lot of folks are making money, and uh, but you know, Levar Ball is, is is a lightning rod in this. And the first test of it, uh, first pass right now, is folks aren't buying it. Uh, and um, you know, and so we're going back and forth. We had uh, our guy Larry Randall on Facebook out there. If you want to, you know, follow some of us, uh, you can go to um, Real Sports Guys. We're on all platforms. If you want to get Twitter, uh, Facebook. Um, uh, Instagram, uh, we're on there, or you can follow me at RSG uh, D Wills. Uh, I'm on on Twitter, uh, uh, on uh, Instagram, on on Facebook as well. Uh, you know, we're having this dialogue, and you know, one thing that Larry Larry hit uh, Randall, who is you know uh, uh, you know our resistance digital solution, you know uh, one of our, our our former sponsors, longtime partners. Uh, you know, was you know he was saying that you know it's no big deal that the game is still in play. His play, uh, Lavar's play, is really about finding that right partner, um, and that there's no rush. And in fact, you know, I said you kind of you kind of like he's kind of like Flacco right now. You know, uh, you know we're not going to come up with a contract, but I'm going to play my rookie season and uh, create a demand and create more leverage in the space. You know, but 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 you know, uh, uh, game changer was like. You know, from where I'm from, that's lost money on the table. That's money you leave the money on the table, and you can't. You, it's, it's money that's gone, and so it's about 15 million dollars that you know probably uh, uh, Lonzo's going to have. And in and, and, and game changer asked the question, you know, how is he looking at his pops now? You know, is that something that can break a bond? You know, when when I'm looking at 15 million, I could have had, you know, and and right now it's not working. It don't look like it's working out, pops. So there's a lot on the table, and so I would be remiss if I did not give my man Hank a chance. To go in, you know, because this is a, this is something that he's been passionate about. So I'm just gonna go over the corner. I'm gonna be like that cat. I'm just gonna put my feet in the corner, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna have I'm gonna be locked and loaded. I'm gonna it's gonna if he does take it to me, I'm falling out of bounds, uh, and I'm gonna hit the three. I'm hit the and one. I'm, I'm gonna run into a cheerleader or somebody because I'm just gonna just be right there cocked because we we doing a one four. We clearing out, and we just gonna let him have the floor to do whatever he wants. We're gonna have him do a LeBron James style. Going downhill. Here we go, Hank. I'm just gonna get up to the side. I know you got something to say. You know I got something to say. 
You know, I got a lot to say because I said this before when we had this conversation. Sometimes as a parent, you got to get the heck out the way, all right? Sometimes as a parent, it ain't about you anymore. In fact, once you get your kids to a certain stage, it ain't about you at all, okay? I'm appalled at, at LeVar Ball. I am absolutely appalled. Who the hell does he think he is? Who knows Big Ball Brian anyway, okay? Just because you put your name on something don't mean that some major uh, corporation is going to buy it. Who are you? Okay, better yet, who's your son, right? I'm like, look, what you're doing right now, uh, Mr. Ball, is you're messing it up for your kid. And that's the thing about this whole thing that's appalling. Now, let's, let's just get this straight, okay? Three of the major uh, shoe companies have turned you down. Now, I read your statement. Come talking about some, well, Serena and, you know, Michael, and they did their own thing. Bull. They did not. You need to get, You need to check your facts. Okay, they all signed endorsements. They worked with those companies, and those companies got bits and pieces of them, and then they went on. Okay, Jumpman didn't become Jumpman under Michael Jordan right away. It was Nike. Go check it out. Okay, and the rest of those folks, the witness whole thing with uh, LeBron, that happened after he signed his endorsement with Nike. Go check it out. All right, go check it out. Who you? How you figure this young man coming in? He hasn't proven anything, and as good as he is, there will be some on draft day that will argue that he's not even the best player in the draft, maybe not even the top ten, okay, depending upon what teams need, all right? There there becomes a time, Mr. Ball, that you need to humble yourself, okay? Allow your kid's ability and his talent to start to make some coin for him, all right? I don't live on the West Coast. The only reason why I know anything about your kids because your big mouth. And it's not and it's not positive, all right? When I saw him play, I saw his team get eliminated in the tournament. I saw him pouting, all right? But everybody, but you're all over this place, you know, and what you're doing right now, you're making it hard for your son, who is a good talent. You are destroying his opportunity to really get a team to want to touch him in the, in the NBA. Why? Because just like what we saw in the NFL, if there's some sort of character issue with certain players, they start to drop in the draft. Would you know what does? It costs the money, all right? So maybe Lonzo doesn't have any character issues, but he does have a character with issues, and that's you. And so what you're doing right now is you've already cost a young man money. Yeah, that's going to cause, that's, that's cause some dissension in the ranks. Trust me, all right, because he's not going to be under your wing forever. You think I'm lying? Ask the Williams sisters. Okay, so now you got that issue going on. So don't be an idiot for your kids. So yeah, I will tell you right now, it bothers me about that. Yeah, I'm troubled by that. Lonzo, you're gonna to have to grow up right now, right today, or you're gonna be a late second rounder. And and if your daddy keep on messing around, uh, you might be out the league. You know, talent ain't everything when you start talking to big business. So, I, I, but I, I think this is you got to separate those issues. I, I think that when you talk to GMs, they're not, from a basketball standpoint and from from everything they know about him, they're not as much concerned about how that affects his draft status. And so, I, I think he's still a top three, top four pick. Um, when you talk to the kids, let me let me let me let me interject he's, right he's ro- here. Let me interject right here. Shoulders, man. Okay. Let me let me interject right here. They got to negotiate a contract with that young man, okay? Mm-hmm. And the LeVar Ball is involved. 
you could see something real ignorant like him sitting out because of the money that, that is due him, all right? And we've seen this before. We, and, and what's going to end up happening, if you think about it a minute, you start seeing uh, these players try to get somebody to represent them, and they end up firing a lot of these agents because they eventually they want to play. So, yeah, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah, he's bad, but at what cost? At what cost? And that's what you have to look at. You have, you're right. We are talking about a couple of different things, but it is a warning sign that if I've got to deal with this dude to try to get a contract signed with this one, because what if he doesn't get drafted by the L.A. Lakers? Let's just say for the sake of argument he gets drafted by the Kings or he gets drafted by somebody like that. So now you got to go through all this rigmarole with this dude? So, yeah, there's, 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 some, there's some, some issues there. But one of the things I would say is that is 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 is, is this. Uh, so what I was going to say is that by all accounts, kid manages and, and creates balance with that relationship. Uh, did a good job, I think. It sounds like his one year at UCLA. Um, really, you know, it also insulated the team from it as much. I don't know, if, you know, Ball was as much in the locker room piece as anything. So I think he's managed that pretty well. Um, I think if you think about the Lakers, you know, you and I are familiar with Palinka. You know, Palinka. You know, he was an agent, so he knows how to handle, you know, uh, there's a lot of parents like this. And so he's used to that. He will be able to – Magic, I think Magic will have a profound impact on LeVar and, and getting him to understand the business thing. I think they, uh, 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 Magic is one of the few people LeVar probably will listen to about ways to do this if he's able to get under the Laker brand. And so I think some of these will watch out. But the part, his delivery, you and I have talked about it, his delivery is not the best. I think his concept delivery is where he's failing. It's, it's like he's telegraphing in ways which, and this is where understanding the mechanics of business versus being a promoter, that he's telegraphing too much stuff in a way that if he didn't telegraph, that Nike deal might have gone in a different way if, if he wouldn't have been so much talking about this is what I'm going to make people do. And so part of it is, his delivery is something that he's going to have to really work on. But I, on the other side of it, you know, I saw this great documentary, and, and actually there's a great um, going to be a biopic coming out on Master P's life. And one thing that Master P talked about is, you know, a lot of what these basketball players are understanding is a lot of this is similar to, to how uh, the music industry has set up some of these deals. And so and some of these artists have begun to understand how they set these partnerships up, that, that really Nike is a distribution channel for this brand. Uh, and so I think we're gonna look at we're gonna look back on it um, in some ways the what, same way uh, we look back now on on on, on, on uh, somebody like MC Hammer when he came out in the way in which people criticized him but he but then when they look back on it he he basically changed the game and so his delivery is wrong and so you know he's gonna be looking at some of the Chinese brands right now and going out to do that and what Master P understood was if you're gonna give me this this means you're gonna make this other stuff. And the fact of the matter is, if I have rights, so maybe, maybe, maybe my 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 annual deal of fifteen isn't there, but I own it. There's a difference between ownership and me uh, actually uh, 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 being kind of this subsidiary to you in a way. And so I have this ownership across three children. Let's just say it all works out the right way. But even if he has two of the three, I got this brand that's owned across it in a space where individual brand matters. We're like, this cat's going to have, you know, 12 million people follow him on Instagram, maybe more. You know, he's going to have another, you know, you know, whatever, a million of, uh, of folks 
following him on Twitter, uh, wearing his stuff, being able to do that. And if I start adding that up, if I just distribute this through uh, Facebook uh, delivery chain of these shirts, like you see Cash doing all the time, I start, the numbers start to add up. And so I, from a business concept, I think it's brilliant. Where I think you're right is that he's getting out in front of it in a way that he don't need to get out in front of it. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't need to be the show when you got a son that's the show. Like, he's probably well, the closest thing we've seen a long time though, yeah, I'm hearing what you're saying. But, like, okay, let's, 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 let's take a step back. Now, it just seems to me that when I read this, you're putting the big baller brand ahead of the career of Lonzo Ball. So, and if you're doing that, then you, you, you're being a little bit backwards. Now, if you want to really keep your ownership, there is a very shrewd way of doing that. And, and this is what I'm saying. You can still own the big baller brand. You can get that first contract if you will just be a little bit of business patient, if you will. If you're trying to chase the money, this is where I'm having a problem with. Okay, because you got rights to I the think, big ball. I think ball. you're right on this. I agree, I, I agree with you on this. Where you going on it? I agree. Okay, on so my but my point is this. So you go ahead, get in the league, let this kid get going. Then look here, you could do something real smart. Like we'll sign a two-year endorsement deal, just two years. All right, a two-year endorsement deal does what? It gets his name out there. All right, you start making some money, you start taking some of that money, you start investing some of that money into big baller. Before you get into the, the uh, third year, now you got your son wearing big baller brand gym shoes. Okay, now you got big baller out there. Now you can negotiate with Adidas. Now you can negotiate with Nike because now you got something and you got you a superstar wearing your gear. And that's how you do that. Now you can sign you a multi-year deal and do what you want to do. Big baller is now out there. Now if you want to just have sole ownership, okay, this is going to cost you some. But you've got to learn. you got to know, like you said, you can't be out there like that. Okay? you got to be shrewd. Sometimes you got to just be humble a little bit so that you can get what you want and so that it's, so, so it's sustainable. But when you start turning – people's heads away from you, especially big companies, even before you get off the um, off the mat, that doesn't make any sense. That could have been a slam dunk for it had it been more business savvy. You are you are hitting that thing right on the head. You hit that out the park. You hit it out the park. Um, and you're right. I mean, this, this is what you described. Was, that is a LeBron move right there, right? Okay. This is not going to work for you. We're willing to sign a one, two-year deal, two-year deal uh, at uh, 15 mil a piece. And, and then we'll re- let's revisit. Let's split it down the middle. We'll sign a two-year deal, 15 million a piece. Uh, you know, 15 million, if I do these certain things, the second year is 25 million. So if, I, if, I, if, I make all, if I'm all rookie, if I'm, all, if I'm this, I'm that, whatever, whatever. Uh, then the second was $25 million. then we'll see where we're at right now at that point. You, to me, that is the move. And I'm saying that's where, that's where I think the number one thing that, uh, that, that LeVar Ball is, is, is forgetting is that success is a team sport. And, and what, makes LeBron, what made LeBron James so savvy as a businessman is early on he became coachable. But he was always coachable, meaning he got around people like Warren Buffett. He got around Jay-Z. He got around folks who were elite in the world. In some ways, he got a Ph.D. He didn't go to college, but he got a Ph.D. in business. 
from being around. I mean, he got as much of an education as anyone who's gone to Wharton, anyone who's gone to any of these top business schools. He got that PhD, and he soaked up as much as he could as long as his, and his guys did, and that they went into learning. They spent their first half of their career understanding how – and that's why LeBron is now expanded into uh, uh, production and movies and everything else because he spent a lot of time along with his guys understanding what this thing is, how, how it's supposed to work, because they spent a lot of time around people. And I think LeBar, um, and given that you in L.A., um, you got, like you said, you got to spend less time talking and more time listening. Tone it down. Doesn't mean you don't have to be, you, you, can, get on, you can get on first take and be bambastic and be who you are, but then you can also shrink back and be business savvy. Like you, have, you, mm-hmm. like you don't have to just tone your whole self down, but when it comes to this stuff, you can just be hyping yourself up and have a good time and say, hey, the business stuff, we're just trying to get around the right people and make this work. You know, uh, right. I believe in this, but, you know, I'm trying to get around the right folks who understand this and, and, and to make it work. If we at the Lakers, hell, you know, being around somebody like Magic Johnson who understands this would be a benefit. Um, but that's what we're hoping that a, a team that is going to work with us will help us do. And you're right. And, and anywhere he goes, he's already going to have a fan base, right? And so he already has a way to push his product out uh, in a way. So I think you hit it right. I mean, I, I love your, your proposal of, just take a one or two year shoe deal and use that money as a way to drive your investment, set yourself up. Um, and even you could have it that this stuff is limited to shoes, that you still, when it comes to shirts and other apparel, right? I could be wearing the ball. Right? Anything. Right. He could be running that thing, you know, independently. And then his biggest endorsement deal will be his own son. Nike's not yeah. going to want to do that. Somebody's going to work and negotiate that. And see, yeah. that's where he blew it. Okay, that's where his uh, his lack of business prowess hurt him, and his big mouth hurt him because anybody would have who was trying to advise him business wise would have said to him, "Listen, would have said what I'm saying to you. What we're saying today is not brand new. That's that's common sense business one on one. Look, take the money." Set up a deal that makes makes sense for you. Continue to do what you want to do. Then you come back in a couple of years. You've got some things to assess. You can assess the career of your son. You can assess the 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 how his endorsement deal is going. You can assess a whole lot of things. Now maybe, just maybe. Okay, I'm just speculating here. Maybe he felt like he had to jump in right now because maybe there's some dissension in the ranks between him and Alonzo because he's just been so much at once. Lonzo gets out here and becomes a pro and starts getting other people in his life that now his dad cannot make the decisions that he wants to make, which is a very real possibility. So let me jump in right now while I get in while the getting is good. That's unfortunate if that's the case. But then again, you, you kind of fall on that sword of being, with all this brash and bravado when you got to when you got to play the business game. Now you get him there, you got to be smart enough so at least he trusts you enough, Lonzo I'm talking about, to make sound business decisions going forward in his career. I know that's your dad and you love him and all the other kind of stuff. But now business is business. And we've seen it a lot in the in the entertainment industry and sports industry where I found out, oh, mom and dad don't know as much as I thought to do, so I gotta get somebody who knows what's happening. And there's maybe there's a little bit of that that's going on and why there was such a push and that with these businesses seeing what was going on, say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait till he gets a real agent. We'll wait till he gets somebody who knows what he's talking about, and then we'll discuss it with him. Yeah, yeah and I think, you know, you're hitting a, a really – I mean, the thing about it, you know, if he hadn't had that little beef with LeBron, you know, maybe you signed with Maverick Carter. 
you know, you sign with Maverick Carter, you know, and sign with somebody who understands how this is going to go. Or you sign with Jay-Z's, uh, you know, uh, uh, Rock Nation or something like that. And you have access to someone like Jay-Z who can help you understand how to set this thing up. And, and so you have a you have an ability, you know, if he had had this, you know, kind of a public beef with LeBron, you get with Maverick. And, you know, you know, Maverick, is, he's the one who's got, who's got the rooms. He's the one who's got access to cats in L.A. who are like, you know, 20 minutes from you that you can't get in the room with. Maverick can get in the room with those guys and, and help you understand how you might build this out. And so I think you're right. That's part of it. And, you know, uh, you know, it, family's family. But at a certain point, you know, these kids are going to grow up, move out the house, and are going to have their own identities. And uh, you have a – I think his idea, his concept is right on. His method is right off. <laughs> it's wrong. Right. He's off with wrong the wrong thing. And, and so when I've been pushing back on people is, don't push back on the idea and the concept. Push back on his method of delivery, which is terrible. And if you, you know, his his his, his genius in terms of how he's thinking about this and pushing it, I would say that's a ten. His delivery is a one. So you can't be average. <laughs> you know, you can't be average on this. And right. I think he's gonna learn a lot. And, and I think the more he that is. Lonzo can can take a little bit more control of this for for the benefit, it's kind of like he's gonna have to be. Um, he gonna have to be the uh, 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 what's your guy's name? He gonna have to be uh, 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 the president for uh, the, uh, the Cowboys. Steve. He gonna have to be Jerry. He gonna be Steve Jones. Oh, Jerry he Jones. Be Steve Jones to Jerry Jones. You know when Steve had to Steve Jones had to uh, had to talk his father out of that pick, and then he went. They went and got the uh, the guy Fredericks from Wisconsin when they were about to get. You know, at some point the son got to step in and say, "Oh no, we ain't gonna do it like this." You know, and talk him off of it. Um, at some point, he got to find his voice uh, to be able to do this. But we're gonna we're gonna track the story. As you can see, Hank had a lot to say. You know, I probably knocked down about three threes because he he drew the double team. <laughs> 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 he, he was waving off the screen. He was he's like I got this. He was waving off all screens. We went one four. You know, coach was barking stuff out. He was ignoring it. He's like, I got this one. Uh, it's it, it, it's it's a it, it's a it's a it's it's incredible for us to be able to do it. The other thing that's been great about this week, I mean, you and I have talked a little bit about this uh, as we transition at some point into talking about the draft. Is you know Jim Harbaugh is in the news again, and for me, uh, you know, took the team uh, to Rome. Uh, incredible, it was chronicled. Uh, ESPN did a lot of chronicling of it, um, but I loved it. And, you know, for those who tracked Harbaugh's, even his relationship with his university, you know, when he was uh, at Stanford, which is kind of critical of the kind of educational opportunities, particularly at that time, he was talking about black athletes. Uh, but, you know, now that he's here, he's kind of put his money where his mouth is. And, you know, from an educational standpoint, all the reports back in terms of what the young men and everybody got out of it, um, you know, I think it's a team that grew closer but it's something that, particularly for football teams, I like to see more. We tend to see our basketball teams get a chance to do some of these things uh, in the summer and some, as a revenue sport. Um, the other big revenue sports on campuses like hockey and stuff tend to have, by the nature of international types of experiences, they get to go have. But football is the, the number one cash cow for college sports, uh, with probably the highest percentage of, uh, of its players who come from uh, circumstances of poverty, 
uh, who are more likely to be low-income, first-generation college students, who are more likely to come from communities where uh, they may not have uh, uh, strived very far outside of their community, um, uh, have not maybe traveled a lot, uh, which tends to happen with a lot of first-generation college students, that they're not the ones who, um, uh, like many of their uh, 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 peers who come from other uh, uh, economic, uh, uh, higher economic uh, uh, strata, uh, have an opportunity to experience some of these things. You know, one of the things I, you know, as someone who's run a program, who run programs focused on first-generation college students for like the past 25 years, you know, when you take a group who's really never had that experience um, uh, on a study abroad experience, I took a group of staff and students, mostly of those individuals on that trip were first-generation college students, even staff members at, at students did not study abroad. We went to Beijing uh, and Shanghai, uh, China. We went to the World Expo in Shanghai, and it was a transformative experience. It was incredible. It's a bond that we share. Every time I see one of the students uh, who were participated, I still have it as a screensaver on my, uh, on my phone, a picture from that trip. It, it was just it just makes you feel different about your perspective, who you are, even as an American. Um, you know, we went into the American, uh, we went into the United States um, uh, 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 Pavilion, uh, saw a picture of President Obama. You you feel like a, a, such a patriot in a way, and people see you as Americans. They don't see you as a hyphenated when you're there. So there's so much that that changes your perspective. And if we want these young men to be thinking of beyond the game and to be thinking about uh, other possibilities. They can only do that if they see things. And uh, I think next year uh, they're thinking about either going to South America or South Africa as other trip. You know, and, I, and I'm hoping that, you know, in the competitiveness, if there's something that people want to be competitive about in Division One uh, football, I hope this is one thing that people are competitive about, that I hope we do see someone like Urban Meyer uh, or Saban uh, copy this. I hope we see other coaches copying these things because these are the kind of experiences that these student athletes need to have. Um, Hank, you know, you're right there near the campus. You know, what's, what was uh, a lot of the buzz? What were people saying locally about this trip and just the reaction to it? Even Paul Feinbaum, who is who has been probably the biggest critic of of, of Michigan football and uh, of Michigan fans, um, yeah, uh, and going back and forth with Harbaugh, uh, said that this is probably one of the most significant uh, recruiting strategies that he's ever seen. Probably the best uh, uh, thing he's seen a football coach do ever. He put it at the top of his list, and that's a lot for a fine ball to say. So what was what were you hearing on the ground? Well, let me tell you, you know, th- this, this trip was – there was a buzz about this trip even last year when they announced that they were going to Rome. And, you know, as always, when you get around the college football groups, well, how is Jim Harbaugh going to parlay this into some sort of recruiting tool? But this was really uh, different the, in, in ways that I don't think even the people here uh, in Michigan understood how different this was going to be. We started to find out later that, no, this wasn't some big highfalutin uh, opportunity to to practice abroad as they talked about with the IMG Academy when they went out on spring break, this is actually at the end of the semester. And what he's done is he's actually taken the team to all of these historic locations in Rome. Um, they went to the Vatican. They visited the Pope. During the spring game, they had uh, stickers on their helmet with the United States flag and the uh, flag of Italy on it. You know, and, they, and they've and they gone and they've studied and they've done other things. Now, here's the other piece that 
a lot of people don't understand. Now, they are scheduled, I believe, to come back today. But uh, Jim Harbaugh has given the team the entire month of May off to continue to, if they choose, to study abroad for the next for the next 30, 31 days. So some of those players are going to Bolivia and some are going to South America to continue their studies. It is a wonderful thing, never done really at the level of the collegiate of college for college football. Certainly, we've heard of these sort of things going with other sports with less with us team members. But this is something that you know we have been following and covering, and they've done an excellent job of letting us know uh, around here what the team is doing. And the guys are really, you know, when you if the one thing you can liken it back to, if you were ever in high school and you went to Washington, you did your high school ever send you to Washington D.C. and you, the kids are out there and they're they're studying and what's going on in Washington or those sort of trips like that. Well, that's just, just at a grander scale here for this football team. A lot of these kids, as you mentioned, would probably never see Rome would never see Italy, probably would never get there because of, you know, whether they where they came from or anything like that. It really broadens, you know, their whole scope of what's going on in this, in this world outside of what happens between the hash marks on a football field. It's, it's something that, again, everyone that's involved with the University of Michigan is very proud of. It's a big bravo to uh, Coach Harbaugh, to Ward Manuel, the uh, athletic di- uh, director, because it does, it, it it gives the term student athlete. It gives it a, a greater term. It gives it a greater meaning. And if you ask what's going on here on the ground, it's a it's a sense of pride to know that our team was over there represented well, represented the University of Michigan very well. And you know, it's I applaud the coach and and again the whole athletic department for this opportunity for those for those young men to be able to experience that. It will they will draw closer. And it really gives them a greater uh, sense of identity versus uh, wins and losses. Yeah, I mean, so I was on a I was on this great panel panel, and hopefully we'll have uh, Bob DeMars, who uh, incredible uh, documentary. If you have a chance to watch it, uh, called "The Business of Amateurs." Uh, you know, Bob played for USC um, and um, uh, played for a couple of different coaches, but um, the last coach he played with was Pete Carroll. Um, and then I was on with Chris Borland, who I, you know, every time I refer to Chris Borland, I, I call him the next president. Uh, this, this guy is amazingly smart and thoughtful, uh, was on there. And then uh, Dr. Nesta Rodriguez, uh, who uh, president of Carbon World Health, uh, you know, I'll give a shout-out to Carbon World Health, who's uh, our, our sponsor for our podcast. Uh, so make sure you all go to carbonwellhealth.com and let uh, Dr. Rodriguez and uh, the staff know that the uh, people from RSG sent you. Um, and one of the things that I hit them with is one of the important reasons why these things are important is because it addresses what is really an important issue that we're even seeing today in our political climate is this need to uh, address what we call the social capital equity gap, that, that, that there, there are statistics that, that you can go to. There are 20 high schools in the country that lead to wealth and power. And so there's, there's a, that, that, that so much of, Success a lot of times in this country it depends on what zip code you live in. Uh, both, you know, Hank and I were uh, fortunate enough to grow up in an area where, um, even if you were uh, in a circumstance of poverty, uh, because of the other kids you go to school with, because you were able to be around, well, you could have exposure and see some things in ways that you probably wouldn't have seen it if you grew up on, let's say, South Side Chicago or East Side Detroit. 
or, or whatever. And so that access to see some of these things and the possibilities are important. And, and that's why I say that it is, it is so important for coaches like Jim Harbaugh to value this, to create. The, the, the thing that I hear the most that just pisses me off all the time is that uh, we don't have time. We don't have time. These are undergraduates. Their purpose, you, you cannot play football at a major university unless you have a degree classification. You've got to be a student first before you can even get on the field. And so right, when right. the university says we're, we're going to be uh, providing you with these opportunities to all these students, and then you tell me that these folks don't have time, like what's your purpose here? And, uh, and for somebody like that to do it, that's important. And I, don't, and I don't know if people understand how important it is. And to also be able to articulate to people that when you give, when you give folks these kind of opportunities, they also uh, become better players. <laughs> you know, there, there's something great that is impactful when people grow intellectually. That means they can take on more information. They can be, uh, uh, they can be more effective. You know, I, I think about someone like Borland who is, uh, is, was an amazing player, you know, uh, in the Big Ten, uh, uh, was, was an alternate for the Pro Bowl. He, this is a smart man. He can take on a lot of information. There's a reason why he could do that. He's not only a great athlete, but he, I think his intellectual curiosity and his, his ability to uh, love to read and to do all these things made it easier for him to recognize things as a football player, made it easier for him to take on a whole bunch of information. It made it easier. So all this stuff still has a benefit as an athlete. And when coaches realize that, that's the better off they're going to be. Uh, and uh, so I cannot say enough about this. Um, you know, I love when we, when we get Bob on the show for the podcast, you know, I love to explore because I, I think, one thing he said that's very important about this is competition. So when you have somebody like, you know, Harbaugh who's doing this, and this is part of the recruitment thing that, you know, this is, we're going to be investing in your son more than just football. He has evidence. You know, Saban might walk in there, but Saban don't have that kind of evidence because parents have been looking and seeing, wow, you took those kids to Rome. Wow, you took those kids to South Africa. Wow, you allowed them to have three or four weeks where they could go on short uh, 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 inter- international trips. You know, you are invested in them in ways in which other coaches are not doing. And if you look at giving, and this is the last thing I'll say, if you look at giving uh, across uh, uh, collegiate sports, and you break down the fit, the categories of uh, of development and advancement in terms of how people give back, the lowest piece of the pie in terms of giving, I believe, are former student athletes. And I'm saying to myself, how is that? If everything you say is true, then why is the lowest percentage of people giving back and investing back into your athletic programs are student-athletes? Why is it just other donors? Why, why aren't you able to get a J.J. Watt type or uh, to get a Charles Woodson or whatever, even though some of those folks do give back? Why aren't you able to get a, a higher percentage of those athletes to give back? And my argument is if, when you don't do things like Jim Harbaugh has done, then everything else is transactional. I did for you. I went to practice. We won games. I fulfilled my obligation to you. And when you ask me for money, I'm not giving it back. But when somebody like Jim Harbaugh is able to talk to a a student athlete going on, and not only did you give this thing for me for football, but you took me to places I never would have gone in my life if it weren't for being here at Michigan. Now, that's somebody who's willing to give back to something like that to invest in it. So I'll get off my soapbox uh, <laughs> as it relates to that. You know, you, you got you got me you got me going, 
big fella. Well, no, you make yeah, a valid sorry, point on that, D. Uh, you make a valid point. I just want to just say that that you're absolutely right because it's, I gave to you more. We always say student athlete, but it's like I gave to you the student part. All right, we did, you know, invest in your education. You know, usually when they say they invest in the education, that's usually a proctor at study hall or something like that. But to actually say we're going to show you the world here at the University of Michigan, we're going to we're going to invest in your education so that you know what's going on outside of what happens here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That is a huge recruiting tool for any parent that says what happens if something happens to his knee, if something happens. You know, I want to just say this too, Grant Newsom had the opportunity to go on that trip. Grant Newsom uh, had a severe knee injury last year that probably could have cost him his football career. He was allowed to go on that trip with his team. Okay, that's huge to Grant Newsom, and I'm very certain it's very huge to his family to say that he was able to uh, participate in this trip. And, again, investing in his education. Again, bravo to the football team and to the athletic department. Well, hey, we, we're hot. We've been going. And uh, <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, uh, NFL draft, uh, and then uh, we'll get into some inside the park. Uh, you listen to One Mike here on the RSG platform. Uh, we'll talk to you in a minute. Hi, this is Brett Bielma, head coach of the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, and you're keeping it real with the real sports guys. Whoop big. Everybody over there that's just been uh, uh, great uh, working with y'all. And uh, 
being part of this challenge, which is coming to the end uh, here, uh, we're going to have our testing here in the next week. Um, and so we'll let you know uh, how that challenge came out. Uh, I will be on uh, uh, ESPN Madison uh, uh, this Wednesday uh, from 11 to uh, to noon. Uh, you can, uh, if you go to the ESPN app and search for Madison, uh, get on there. You can listen to me live. Uh, I'll be on there with Tony and Greg and the crew over there. Uh, you know, we're just expanding the game here. You know, we're, 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 we're doing this the next level. Um, and, uh, you know, I love my crew. Uh, you know, we got Marcus and, and uh, uh, Phil and RJ and uh, Justin and, and, and uh, the whole crew, Sekou. Uh, go check out that hustle and flow on our platform. Um, uh, I just saw Ray at an event the other day. We're going to get Ray back on. I told him he's been off long enough, man. We, we need to – we need to get him him back in the game, and so uh, we just had a lot of great people contribute to this thing, and we're gonna keep it moving. So, the NFL draft time when you get to see who's who and who's what, um, and this was such an interesting draft because uh, what I've said is, you know, a lot of drafts are always defined uh, by quarterbacks, whether or not you have a great quarterback or not. And, and what I said about this quarterback class is that I think it's a good class, but it's a good class. Uh, for teams that have the ability who could afford to let someone sit. Um, that I think there's these are a lot of talent, but they're all a year away. And if you can afford to let them sit, you're going to get a gym. And I think the, the way some of these uh, folks selected uh, folks, I think they got that kind of player. I mean, you could be, depending on your taste and your flavor, um, they all have, you know, some weaknesses and glares. A lot of that has to do with just um, that they need to have coaching. I think it's the worst coach position um, uh, and worst understood position uh, here in recent years. I've said that about quarterback. I think it's hardest to evaluate. I don't think it's coached as well. Um, I think there's very few college coaches in the country who develop quarterbacks in the right way. Um, and I, I just think because people are so impatient, it becomes hard for even professional organizations to develop quarterbacks in the proper way. Uh, but what's been great about all the other positions over time have been premium positions. And this draft has been deep with talent. And so, you know, I want to spend some time at least, um, you know, beginning to, you know, some early grades. This is something that I think will probably be a, more of a two-part between Hank and I. We'll, we'll get into a little bit, and then we'll probably come back to some of these conversations. So this is more of an initial conversation. We'll probably get a little bit more detailed in our, um, our, our next podcast as we get a chance to digest and look at some of this stuff. Uh, but just initially, um, I'd like to kind of start out with, first of all, let's talk about the draft itself. You know, NFL has been criticized by a lot of stuff. We, we, you know, you hear people using the term habitual line stepper. You need to mark your, your calendar. It was said first here on, on RSG. You can go back as far as you want to do. We can put it on the timeline. Somehow it's emerged. You hear it on all these other platforms. But we call Goodell the habitual line stepper. And, it, and, and it's been in the news with the Brady stuff. But the thing I think they got right, is moving this draft around. They, I think they had 275,000 people went through the draft. If you look at that scene in Philadelphia, it was just incredible. I mean, Hank, what did you think about this setup and this change? I mean, it was like it was a charged environment for the draft, and they broke it up into three days. Like, in general, what's been your impression of this, the NFL draft, and just the, them branded? Well, you know, normally, D, it's like, what they did this year, which I, which I, I again, I applaud the NFL. The, the draft in Philadelphia was electric. 
uh, it was it was really neat whether you were a Philly fan or not. Uh, just when it was time for uh, the Philadelphia Eagle uh, players to be selected, the fans went nuts. It was absolutely nuts, and you could just hear the commentators just say, "You, you, we hope that this is translating out to you all because it is electric out here. It's absolutely electric party atmosphere." They kept saying there's more people there that that could actually uh, fit into the stadium, you know, a Lincoln Financial Stadium in Philadelphia. So that tells you all you need to know. But to to your question, normally everyone who watches the draft, you know, they will sit there and they will watch the first round because the first round is the who's who of of the NFL, of, of college football. You know, all these names we hear for the 11 weeks of the season, and where did they go? So you watch the first round, and that's usually whether you you gauge whether you had a good draft or not because of who was your first round pick. And then it kind of like fell off after the second round, the third round, and all the way through. They did a great job of keeping you engaged the entire draft. I mean, I actually had an opportunity to watch all seven rounds, but then again, I'm geeky that way. But I'm just saying that there was something to keep you engaged. Just and and I was bouncing back and forth between two networks. One network was a little bit ahead, while the other network was really trying to really showcase ESPN. But it was um, – I, I, I found it to be intriguing all the way throughout. But, again, this was a different draft. This was a very different draft. As we spoke last week, man, there was a lot of talent out here, a lot of talent, a lot of talent across the defensive front, a lot of talent across the you know with the wide receivers and the running backs, and actually you know the, the quarterbacks just became an afterthought, you know. And as you said, usually it's the quarterback that gets all the work, gets all the all the press and all the, all the notoriety. But they were an afterthought compared to some of the other positions. And oh by the way, this was one of the first uh, drafts where you didn't have an offensive lineman picked in like the the, the, the top ten, top fifteen. So. Again, very, very deep draft up until, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later, some of the players that didn't even get drafted, okay, that, that are out there still that we that we haven't talked about. That's how deep this draft was. I think that you're going to see where a lot of these teams drafted players of need, but I think they probably had a secondary draft board of players that they wanted to bring in that they didn't think they needed to uh, uh, waste the draft pick on, that I think they are, are very talented as well. Yeah, I, it, you know, and uh, um, what's also what's great about it is with all that atmosphere, Goodell still getting booed. And the funny thing about it is when they brought the Eagles folks out, they had they brought the high school kids. He, he tempered it by, by bringing the high school team out <laughs> with the coach. He's finding ways to bring uh, other people age that nobody's going to dare boo. <laughs> so he's trying to create uh, a, a ways in which uh, the booing will go out. You know, I think at some point they got to let it go and, and let Goodell do his thing. But uh, yeah, he, the boos, and, 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 and like as we talked about last time, it's the one time where players are going to shake his hand and be happy to see him. You know, so his, it, it, that whole well, thing was. Uh, but those those players those players aren't in the league yet, okay? Those yeah, guys are yeah. trying to get in the league, so they are happy to see him. But you know, Goodell's going to get booed. Goodell's reputation is going to precede him. I don't care if he brings uh, name. Look, look, look. Put your put your religious savior's name here, 
okay, be it Buddha, Jesus Christ, uh, Muhammad, I don't care if they walk out on the stage with him. They're going to separate <laughs> who, the Pope. They're going to separate who he is. They're gonna get, he going to get his boo in. Then they're going to cheer the mother folks. That's what was so funny. That's what was funny. I remember, you know, he got booed, then whoever he introduced, they got the biggest cheer, they got the biggest love, they wanted to make it very clear. It ain't you. It's the cat you walked out on stage with. <laughs> you can say the NFL fans are creative. They are, yeah. they, are they, they are right on it. And then you had a number of players, you, you see in this trend, who are not coming to the draft. You know, particularly if you know you're not going to be a top one or two or three pick and they're setting out these satellite events where they're, they're you know, before it used to just you be in your living room, but now you got Chewbacca showing up at your at your draft party. You know, you might have Drake showing up at your draft party which you, when you get selected. And so you're starting to see that brand. And I wonder how that might, you know, particularly with agents and stuff like that, branding and opportunities for endorsements affect attendance at uh, the draft because, you know, having that ability to walk up on stage is something important. But I'm hoping I don't see as many players um, – not attending. Um, you know, I understand quarterbacks who are worried about uh, being pushed down and sitting there waiting and some of the other things, but um, I hope that, that we don't have as many folks uh, not coming uh, to the draft. But let's get You know what? I call that the, the Aaron Rodgers uh, uh, complex or what you want to call it. You know, the, the Aaron, what happened to Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers, if you recall, when he was about to be the year that he came out, was supposed to have been a top ten pick. And so there was Aaron Rodgers in the green room, okay? Now, Aaron Rodgers, arguably, one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, okay? But Aaron Rodgers didn't get taken until the 25th uh, pick by the Green Bay Packers. But for those first 24 picks, they kept going back to the green room. They kept going back to the green room. And at some point, it became painful for the viewer to keep going back there watching Aaron Rodgers sitting in that green room and not get picked, okay? Because they yeah. made a big deal that year. I won't ever forget that draft. They brought all of these players out who came to the draft. They put them on stage. They, you know, they announced them and everything. And then at the end, you know, you're down to the last seven picks. Everybody's out the green room except Aaron Rodgers. And it wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good look for Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't a good look for the NFL. And so a lot of those players, like, I don't want to feel crunchy like that and go two, three hours and not get picked. So they kind of got away from that. It was like, if I get picked, cool. If I don't get picked, nobody knows because I got my own party. If I don't go in the first round, you know, because a lot of that, that perception, it don't look good. And and for the draft, you know, I remember that. I I felt sorry for Aaron Rodgers. I don't know more. Okay. Yep. But I felt sorry for Aaron Rodgers. Yep. You know, so I think that's why a lot of them have started to opt for we'll just have our own party, and if it don't work out the way I, I intended to, hey, we still party. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, so you see all those trends. Uh, but I think with those kind of crowds, you know, it's going to be good to be there. Like, you want to be there when you get drafted in front of, you know, crowds of 250,000. Like, if you were thinking about, like, if you were to be able to pick the next site, they did what they did in Chicago, we've done it in Philly, where would you do it next, uh, given what we saw in Philly? If you were – I know they're going to be looking at a couple different cities, but if you were picking another city, where would you do it next, given to keep – if you were just a commissioner trying to keep the momentum going, where would you do it next? Well, you know what? You 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 gotta. If if it's me, I'm going somewhere like Miami, okay? 
I, mm. where I know I can, I'm guaranteed warm weather. I can make it an outdoor venue. They are a storied franchise, you know, or Dallas, somewhere south, no. you know, where you where you know you can you can do it at Jerry World, for an example. Yeah. All right, and you can really make that a big event, and it's going to be a big event, you know, somewhere where you know those fans are passionate about their football team, and you can get a lot of people to participate. You can make it a big deal. If you go somewhere like, like, like I say, a Miami or somewhere or, or Orlando, and they don't have a team necessarily, but uh, or Tampa, St. Pete, where you can make it a, an event for the people who comes to the draft. That's what you want to really be able to do if you're the NFL. And since you since you're doing stuff like going on site, and you've got personalities from those teams now that's that's uh, announcing the picks and those sort of things, then yeah. Make it as big an event as, as you want. You know, bring other folks out to try to minimize the boo of the commissioner, as you did, but always make it a big party. The draft is a party. It is the first time in the spring, you know, after um, after the college football season, that you start to, you know, you start to NFL gets its, gets its feet back. So you make it a big kickoff event. And you do it just like you did it right now, but you again, like you said, you want to make it somewhere where people will start to plan to go to the draft. You know, I thought the Philly, uh, I thought that was great. But now you can really do something like, oh, I'm going down to Dallas to see the draft, or I'm going somewhere where I know it's warm, I'm making a vacation, it's in April. And if they do something like that, I think they can even make this event even bigger. So, so we're going to go deeper in this in our next podcast. And so, I know we're going to, we, we thought about it, but uh, because uh, you know, we we need to do some analysis. We need to go talk to the registrar. Um, uh, we had a couple of students who uh, thought that they dropped the class, but they didn't. Um, but we, we want to get a sense of who made the honor roll and who is in good academic standing and who's on probation or or maybe dropped. And, and maybe if we get one team from each of those categories uh, to kind of talk about, and then we'll flush that list out again on our next podcast. Uh, but I wanted to, um, uh, and then maybe a team, no, we'll probably say this for the next podcast, a, a team that I'm calling, the, uh, it's going to be like a delayed reaction in the sense that this is a team that could, they, they might right now be in, let's say, our probationary list, or maybe they were, um uh, good academic standing, but they might end up being excellent uh, if certain things swing right. Um, and the reason why we might have in those categories is because um, there's just so many unknown variables, but if, the, if, if folks meet their talent, then this could be a market class for them. And we might say that one for our next podcast. But if we just think about a team that made the honor roll, who would you have on, on your honor roll list? Maybe one uh, of your teams, and then we'll get into the other ones on our next podcast. I got listen. I, this team made the honor roll uh, uh, right off the top. I mean, they didn't even waste no time jumping on the honor roll for me. And that was the San Francisco 49ers. I thought what the 49ers did was downright brilliant. At least it shows me that John Lynch uh, has got it. Okay, in his first draft, I thought what they did was brilliant. The fact that they traded with the Chicago Bears to move up to go get Solomon Thomas out of Stanford, the defensive tackle out of Stanford. 
I thought that was a brilliant move. And then taking a flyer on Ruben Foster, not letting the diluted uh, uh, drug test at the combine, that kid is a player. He's a beast. And then the third-round pick, you know, uh, uh, Witherspoon out of Colorado, I had a chance to see this kid play. They played against Michigan. That was part of that vaunted defense that that the Buffaloes had this year with all those seniors. You know, they did a great job, I think, in their first three rounds. I think they did that I think when you look down the the rest of their their draft, they got some positions of need, they got some players, they got some players. But I think the fact that they that they basically fleeced the Bears, okay, to move up and get what what is arguably two first rounders, Reuben Foster. two first rounders, Reuben Foster and Solomon Tom, those guys is bad. Okay, and those guys can play right away, and you know, so so just given just that that the, the top part of their draft, I get they're on the honor roll. I, I, that's a, a, and it says a lot, you know. Um, you know, Lynch is a smart guy, and um, you know he's not someone that he's the kind of guy. He's kind of like Borland, the kind of guy that you just think is going to be successful, whatever he decides to do. And you had a feeling that Lynch was gonna. He's going to make solid picks. And, and I think more than anything, a team like the 49ers just needs somebody who's going to make grown-up decisions. And I think Flint seems like the kind of guy that's going to just make mature, solid football decisions. And sometimes that's what you need. And I think this is a team that I would put at the bottom of my honor roll. But I want to talk about them because I think a lot of times they've been the butt of jokes. I would say the Cleveland Browns. You know, um, just what you said about what the Bears did, um, that the Cleveland Browns, had what I call, I thought was a grown folks draft. They didn't get caught up in the noise. It felt, they felt like they were moving towards a Patriot type decision making. And this is why. Obviously, uh, Miles Garrett, we talked a lot about it, but the more I looked at Miles Garrett, he's still a great pick. Um, and I think on defense, they're starting, they're in the AFC North. You got to have a great defense. And uh, you're going to be playing physical games. And you've got to have some people who can help you set the tone. This is a guy I think is going to be able uh, to give it. But then you go get a tight end. You get the tight end, uh, 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 Yoku from, uh, from Miami, who is a talent, you know, and, and from a, uh, uh, a, a university that's produced a lot of great tight ends. So you, got, you get somebody who, no matter who your quarterback is, you get somebody who can be that safety blanket in the middle. And I think a lot of teams, when you're building organizations, people under, undervalue um, uh, I shouldn't say it that way because the tight ends have been elite, but I, I don't think they've, they've selected them the right way. And I think the way that the Browns went and, and got David uh, to kind of help down the middle, having somebody who can catch and, and help move the chain sometimes, no matter where you go at quarterback. Then I think this is the part that this, 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 sometimes people are football players. <laughs> you can say whatever you want to say. I can't find a position in whatever. Uh, a football player. <laughs> you, you get Jabil Peppers, and who's a leader. So now you got a football player. You got somebody who's a leader, and now somebody who's got a chip on their shoulders. Um, and this is a guy. And being in Cleveland with with uh, with Hugh, you know, you might see him all get some snaps on offense as well. But this is a guy uh, being with you know a great uh, defensive quarter like they got with Greg. They're going to be able to use him wherever they need to use him. But the bottom line, he's a football player. He's a guy yeah. who makes plays. He's a guy who gets there, and you need somebody, and he's a leader. So now you build that young. And, and then 
you go and get Deshaun Kaiser. Now, I'm not big on Deshaun, but he's got all the tools, and he's with a he's with a, a coach who's a quarterback guru. And this is a kid you don't need to play right away. Again, you know, you still got some veterans there. You can figure out how to play. You, you can still make that work, but you're still a little ways away. But this is a kid who's young, who's got all the arm strength, needs to learn how to make decisions, but he can sit. He can sit and, and if he can be that guy. Uh, and he makes some great throws, and he can move. You've got a young quarterback who can sit there. So, I mean, they've done a lot of good things, but I think those first couple of picks, you know, in terms of changing your locker room, having a guy like Peppers, having a guy, having Garrett, you know, having, having uh, 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 you, you know, that kind of person entering your locker room, building on what you had, I, I think they did a really good job, Cleveland. I, I, I agree with you. And, and just to, you know, a little bit more on, on Jabril Peppers, you know, I, a lot of the local uh, radio space sports stations around here was talking about, listen, the one thing that happened at Pep, four, uh, uh, two Peppers at Michigan was think about his practice regimen, okay? Now, if you are a cornerback, you're going to be doing the same reps all the time, okay? If you're a linebacker, you're going to be doing the same reps all the time. If you're on offense, you're doing the same reps all the time. It becomes instinctive to you. Well, when you've got a hybrid like him, Imagine I got to run over here and practice these reps, and I got to run over here and practice these reps. So the knock on him was, you know, well, what what is he in the pros? If he's going to be a safety, he'll be doing safety reps all the time. Okay, he is an immense talent, but they they spread him around all over the place. So while he was good at a lot of things, he weren't wasn't great at any of them because of his practice regimen. So let's look at him going to the pro game. He's going to be a safety. He's going to take snaps, you know, as a safety. He's going to take snaps on special teams. That's enough. That's enough for him to hone his skill. You'll see what kind of athlete he truly is. And, yeah, bravo again. I think, I think you make a valid point uh, with, with Cleveland. Now, again, the Deshaun Kaiser pick, that was one that scra- I scratched my head a little bit on that. Uh, but uh, we'll see what happens. And the reason, again, because – Cleveland is notorious for having one of the worst records in regards to quarterbacks of any team in, in the league. So you, you wish the young man the best, but uh, expect the worst. <laughs> but in the part I, 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 Houston does, but I mean, uh, Cleveland does, but, but Hugh Jackson doesn't. And so the thing about it is, uh, you know, if he hits, he hits. And, and Hugh is creative. Again, What's your program? I, I, you, I hear some of the great people that I, lo- I love listening to who, who talk about football. You know, what's the program there? Who, who's going to be working with them? There's a reason why Wentz did well. He had a quarterback coach. He had an offensive coordinator who was a quarterback. He had a head coach who was a quarterback, or, you know, offensive guy. So when you have that many people paying attention to you, you you got you got a chance to be good. And I, I think Hugh is the – Hugh is – is going to put some things on investing in them, going to demand a lot, but he also doesn't have to play them right away. So he can sit there and learn. He can figure out how to get it. So I do like the way that they, uh, they, they attacked it um, and uh, uh, think they uh, uh, did very well. Um, who do you, you think um, was, uh, for you, uh, uh, was in very good academic standing? They, they were, they, it was just a solid draft and, you know, wasn't too high, but it, they did exactly what they needed to do. You know what? Uh, I would be wrong as two left shoes if I didn't pick the uh, Dallas Cowboys. 
I think what the Dallas Cowboys did, you know, as much as not one of my favorite teams, but I like their draft. I like their draft a lot, okay? Uh, they Last year, they had the young quarterback. They had the young uh, running back with Ezekiel Elliott. This year, they come back strong on defense. They picked my boy, number one overall for that team. They picked Taco Charlton. And I've been saying to you how I feel about Taco Charlton and where he was. Um, and, and, and then they go and they get the other a cornerback from uh, Colorado. Colorado had a couple of stud corners, okay? Yeah. And they got Jadobe out of Colorado. Then they go and get my boy. <laughs> they go and get Jordan Lewis. You know, they're going to take the star off the helmet, D, and they're going to, put it, they're going to make it a winged helmet. You hear me? They're going to make it a winged helmet out there in Big D. But I like what they've done. I like uh, I like their draft. I like their draft a lot. You know, I, I didn't say, I didn't think that, you know, I wasn't putting them Dean's list because I think that I think that what San Fran did was a splash. But I like, I really do like the Cowboys draft. Yeah, um, I think uh, uh, I think you hit it right on the head in terms of. Um, uh, their draft. I think it was solid. It was what they needed. And they've been investing a lot in Big Ten players. I mean, when you think about what they've been doing, um, they're putting a little investment in, 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 in grabbing some of these Big Ten guys um, uh, coming out of there. Um, another team I think just had a solid draft, and I could have put them up because I just think, again, this is a player that I think people just lost sight of. But I think he might save this coach's job is Texas. I think um, oh, yeah. getting yeah. Sean yeah. Watson, um, who has got a chip on his shoulder now, with a coach who needs somebody to step up. He's a leader. Um, he's the kind of guy who's walking the line uh, in, the, in the locker room and, and uh, uh, I get it. They got Zach Cunningham, uh, uh, you know, to add to that linebacking core because, you know, they've had some of the linebackers go down and get hurt, so build some depth uh, against injuries. Um, you know, I you know, some of the people have graded him down, but I think when you look back on it, that Deshaun Watson, all the debate we had about Deshaun Watson and this and that, uh, if 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 Bill O'Brien is able to keep going where he's going, it's because he decided to get someone like Deshaun Watson. He's got a leader on offense who's similar to his leader, J.J. Uh, Watt, on defense, a guy who is not shy of uh, big games, got a chip on his shoulder. Um, I, 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 like, I like that pick. Um, if I were thinking about that's, that's folks, a great pick. If I were thinking about folks who 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 who, who might be dropped <laughs> or uh who uh, 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 uh are on probation. I gotta go in my own backyard here, and I know you're probably gonna say this, so we might both say this as a team and then come back to some other team, but the Chicago Bears. Yep. <laughs> And, and, and the thing about yep. it, it's so crazy, I try to talk to some of my Bears folks off the ledge, and they just are beside themselves. They are. You know, and, and my guy just went down there, uh, 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 Sue Campbell, Lamar. I know he's doing player development down there, so hopefully he'll help us understand what's going on down there. Hope we get him on the show a little bit and so he can help us go understand what's going on uh, uh, with the Bears. But, I'm trying to understand. It's like this guy Trubisky has pictures on people. Kid had 13 starts. It's 
they this is crazy. They get this kid, then they get another guy, then they get Glennon. Glennon's another kid. He's like he's like he's like Trubisky's older cousin with the same profile. <laughs> like it's like both these cats got pictures on people. It's like people are seeing things about these kids that I'm not seeing. To move up to get him when you got all these other quarterback options. Like like you, you have at least three or four guys who are within his space that you could get where you are. And you're gonna move up and give up all you gotta give up when you need to build depth. And so for me, the the Bears, um I don't know what they're doing. Um, I have not figured out, you know, what their strategy is. It's like I don't know what they're trying to get over, but but, but you, you made this free agency signing, then you go get a kid this high, you move up and you, you gave up too much for someone in a draft where you can find really solid quarterbacks. So uh that's all I'll say about Chicago. We'll dig in more in the uh, next time uh, we talk. Who, who, who'd you have? You got to let me talk about this one, okay? <laughs> we, we're on the same page. This going to cost that GM his job. We talked about last week that I thought I thought Trubisky was overrated. I mean, he couldn't even start over the quarterback the year before, and that quarterback almost beat Clemson in the ACC championship game. Okay? So here's Mr. Trubisky. They, may, they take a step back. And I can't believe they gave up two two draft picks to move up to get him. I don't understand that at all. And then I really don't understand the rest of their draft. Okay, I've been on the Google Google Map now for a day and a half <laughs> trying to find out where Cutstown is or Cutstown or whatever it is. Okay, for them to pick up this offensive guard. Okay, I don't understand that one. Then they go and get a a a, 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 um, a tight end out of Ashland. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to – look here. I, I guess it doesn't matter where you come from, but where you're picking from when you're the Chicago Bears, all right, you need to get guys that you know. It, it's, it's the craziest draft I've ever seen. I don't understand what they were looking at. I don't know if they partied too, not too much the night before. But this, this was the worst draft. And, and if, you, if you go across the board, people are still trying to analyze, you know, other teams' drafts and what they're doing and what they know that these players are. Nobody nobody understands what the Bears were doing. Not even John Fox, the coach. The coach came out and said he had no idea they were going to try to get Mitch Trubisky. So there's already some sort of confusion going on with the Bears right now. And this is just going to be kind of interesting to watch. I mean, I don't see the need, and you're absolutely right. I think the fans there are frustrated because they don't know where this team is going. All right, they don't know where this team is going, and they certainly don't have the confidence that this particular quarterback is going to be the one to get them there. I'm gonna tell you this: I've been looking at all these draft polls, but I've been looking at this one guy, WalterFootball.com, and so he's got the Bears. So he, he, this is how he starts his analysis. He says, "I I don't even know anymore. WTF <laughs> are the Bears doing? They paid Mike Lennon so much money, and yet they gave up." The number three overall selection, two thirds, two thirds, and a fourth for a mediocre quarterback prospect. Wow, this one, this is one of the worst draft moves ever made. If the Bears just took Trubisky at number three, that would have been bad, but not horrible. Actually, it would have been, it would, it would be horrible. But this is a franchise, uh, franchise ruining selection. Trubisky over uh, over Solomon Thomas. He said Trubisky over Solomon Thomas echoes Blaine Galbert over J.J. Watt. Blake Bortles over Cahill, Cahill Mack, way to pull a Jaguars, Chicago. That was the description. Like, you got people who are going in 
even know what to say to some of my Bears fans. I can say, well, I'm just happy I'm a Steelers fan. That's all I can say. Because hey, I'll be talking about hey. the next time we, 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 we get to there. To our, we got a lot to talk about related to this stuff. Uh, we'll be getting into this analysis in our next podcast really deep. But we're going to give you a little taste of it. But right now, you know where we got to go. Yeah, yeah, the streets have been talking. We, we're putting baseball back on the map. You know how we're doing it with Hank inside the park. All right, y'all. All right, y'all. We're going to go ahead and get right on into it. I was looking for the intro to come up in there, but y'all know what's happening. Yeah, it was delayed. Our producer. Our producer. Our producer. Thank you. Steve right. Roughly 130 
RBIs. Right now he's batting 405. Now, we don't expect it. Obviously, we don't expect that to last all season. But you've got to look at with the essence of what the Washington Nationals have, okay? They've got a strong pitching staff. They've got the returning uh, Cy Young Award winner with Max Scherzer. You've got the MVP, or always the MVP candidate, and Bryce Harper. You've got a strong team over there. Now, found out today that Adam Eaton will be out for the season with a, with a knee injury, so that's going to hurt them a lot. But this is a very talented team with a veteran manager. Is this the year that Dusty Baker finally gets it done? Again, this is what we know right now. They're looking like a very solid, solid team to contend for the rest of the year. At the, right now, today, April 30th, very early. But let's go and look at what else is going on, what we know right now. It looks like the young Yankees are a very talented team. And as we talked the last time on Inside the Park, Aaron Judge is looking more and more and more like a rookie of the year candidate. You know, and he's he's hitting these home runs Mickey Mantle like. I mean, he's he's tearing the cover off the ball right now. This is what makes April fun because you you can already see what's going to go on and what to look for for the rest of the season. It also looked like in both leagues, the American League, the National League, that that the wild wild west. And I'm not talking about the song. I'm not talking about the movie. I'm not talking about the TV show. It looked like both leagues are going to have a wild wild west. Take a look at the West right now. You've got an inverted West right now in the, in the uh, National League. All of a sudden, you've got the Diamondbacks in Colorado leading the league. What are we in, bizarro world? Only in April can you see that happening. And also, you see now you, the teams that are supposed to contend. You're looking at the Dodgers somewhere in the middle. you got the, 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 the Giants trying to figure themselves out. And, oh, yeah, the San Diego Padres. And then over here in the West, all of a sudden, you look up, and lo and behold, there are the Houston Astros leading the league. Okay, followed closely by the Texas Rangers, and then all of a sudden that team that I'm all, I'm going to keep an eye on the the Angels. Okay, and what is going on? And now you got the Seattle team with all of that payroll and what's going to go on with them. So you got both of those looks looks right now in April. They both of the both of the West in the National League and the American League are going to be battling back and forth. It's kind of neat to see those teams that we don't talk about so much all of a sudden start trying to make a little bit of a move early, and we want to watch to see if that's going to continue, which brings us to the other piece that we want to talk about today, and that's what we don't know. And what we don't know is how significant is the Mad Bomber's injury, Madison Baumgartner's injury. It was reported yesterday that he may miss the whole first half of the season into the All-Star break. That's what we're concerned about. That's going to significantly impact the Giants' ability to be able to compete without the Mad Bomber. Okay, that's your Cy Young candidate right there. Okay, that is the ace of your staff. you got to have him. Now, he decided to go dirt bike riding. That's going to hurt you for the rest of the season. We need to watch and see what do the Giants decide to do. Do they try to make a move early? Do they do anything to try to stem the tide? And what is he going to be when he comes back? We have to stay tuned. That's what we don't know. We also don't know about David Price. Read yesterday, David Price is taking 30, uh, did 30 pitches off the mound. He's scheduled to come back eh, probably in about a week to 10 days. Is he going to be the save of David Price? Again, that is another piece that the Red Sox are going to need if they, can, if they expect to contend in the East, especially with the Yankees now showing a pulse. And we already talked about the Houston Astros, the Colorado Rockies, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Are these teams for real? Do they have enough to really push through? That's something we want to keep an eye on again. What about it? 
you know, Diamondbacks, you guys haven't been significant for a long time now. The Colorado Rockies, they had a push a few years ago only to get beat by the, by the Red Sox in the World Series several years ago. I'm not talking about anything brand new. But, again, this is something to look for, what to watch out for, you know. And, the, and, and what do we don't know? We don't know if these teams are real or not. And if they are, what does that mean for the rest of the season? So, in a little time we got left, we want to talk a little bit about what to watch out for. We had something happen that was, you know, quite historic, if you will, with baseball and baseball nostalgia. We This weekend, if you get a chance after our podcast, go check it out. You've got the Chicago Cubs against the Boston Red Sox. Now, you know right here on this Right here on these airwaves, I talked a little bit about Theo Epstein, the man, I, I call him the curse whisperer, if you will. He is that guy that has goals to franchises, and he breaks curses, okay? He was in 2004 as a young GM in Boston, broke the curse, won the World Series. Here we are, fast forward to 2016, he breaks the curse of the GOAT in Chicago, and this week, and Fenway Park, one of the most historic stadiums in baseball, next to Wrigley Field, these two teams are meeting. They should call this the Epstein Series. All right, so they, they're, they're playing right now. So if you get an opportunity to watch, it would be a, these two story franchises. They're playing in late April. Okay, probably don't mean nothing, but, oh, would that make a, a, uh, a fabulous World Series. Both of those teams have tried to prime themselves with their rosters to get there. That would be kind of fun, but you can get your early preview and you might get a chance to see some players that you won't see in August and September. Take a look at that. Also, what we're looking at this week are the Yankees and the Orioles, something to watch for. Here are two teams, again, get the opportunity to see the young Yankees. This is a, this is a one-two matchup right now early in the season. Uh, a five-one-two matchup you want to take a look at. You want to see what these young Yankees look like. You know what? I don't care who the Yankees got on their team, all right? But they're always that team you love to hate unless you are in New York. And now it appears that they've, they've tried to all of a sudden retool. We saw all of the mass retirements. The Derek Jeters are gone, and, and these sort of players, that all came up together. A-Rod went with unceremoniously last year. And now you look up and they're leading the American League East. This is a team you want to keep an eye out for. And also with the Baltimore Orioles. Again, the East could be kind of wacky, too, because Boston is still in the mix right now, but they're just kind of having an old home start. So you might want to take a good look at the, at the Yankees to see what's going on. And there's something you might want to take a look at right now while you got a chance, while it's still significant. The Colorado Rockies are playing the Arizona Diamondbacks, and dare I say that's a one-two matchup series. That's a one-two matchup series. So you want to kind of take a look and see if you are fans of the game. Again, these teams are playing good baseball right now. Let's see what they got. Is this, is this something sustainable? This is what you want to look at and see how we're doing. And also, I can't. I would be remiss, baseball fans, if I'm going to give you something to watch, I'm going to give you something to sleep on. Now, I know it's still early, and I know the season just started. Hank, how you come telling me about giving me something to sleep on? Well, look here. You're going to have some old hummers. Okay, that Tuesday afternoon when ain't nothing going on and you got to watch something, this ain't what you want to watch because these teams ain't getting off to a good start right now. And I dare I say it's the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves. Now, the Braves, to put the Braves, a young team trying to, trying to find their glory days back again. But the Mets now, the Mets, 
there may be some there may be some rumblings going on in in New York on that side of New York because this is a team that's just a two years removed from making it to the World Series and they're struggling right now. They're struggling with their pitching. They're struggling with their hitting. They're struggling with injuries. So this is something we're going to have to keep an eye out for. But again, if you must watch baseball and there's nothing else to do, well, there's something else to do. Okay, we still got the NHL. We still got the NBA. I would never tell you not to do it, but listen here. If you got to watch a game, then that's that. I guess you can watch that one. But uh, that would be my oham for for right now. Listen, folks. Again, we start tomorrow. Starts May. That 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 to me is the official kickoff to baseball season, because by that time all the hamstrings should be healed up. All these the 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 pull this and the yank that from playing in the cold weather. The weather starts to, to settle itself down, and we can start going out on a nice bright sunshiny day and go ahead and see what these teams really got going on. So listen, as I, I'm gonna say to you again, stay tuned. There's gonna be a lot going on. And stay tuned because the season is just getting started. Again, but right now you got something to watch for. You got something to sleep on. You got something to you know what you know and you know what you don't know. And what you don't know, you got to stay tuned to figure out what that is. But that's all for right now. So listen, uh, drive home safe. That's the ball game, folks. We'll talk to you next time. was inside the park with Hank. We'll move it to the close. We'll be talking about this game seven that we'll be seeing. Uh, if the Clippers fall, could it be the end of Doc or could it be the end of, of the experiment that is known as the L.A. Clippers? Um, and then I also want to close with something about boxing. We got a new person, Anthony Joshua. Watch out for this kid. Uh, we'll be talking about him a lot. The sooner he's going to be coming to America. Uh, big win over uh, over Klitschko. Uh, we hope we get that on us. Hey, thanks for joining us on One Mic. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. We're out of here. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.